Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Welcome to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's bringing back ye old pussycat. I'm Alex. When you walk through the darkness for as long as we have, sometimes you meet a little witch. And you're like, I want kids to know about this witch, my girlfriend. And that's where we're at. I'm Justin. Fuck Uncle Frank. I'm Pete. Whoa, language right ah. up at the top and uh, right at, at shots fired at Uncle Frank right here. We're going to be talking about Riverdale Season 7, Episode 17, Chapter 134, A Different Kind of Cat, as I cleverly teased in the intro there. It is the return of <laughs> Ashley Murray's Josie McCoy to the wow. show. Wow. Are we giving self-shoutouts? Everybody, we do that at the beginning. We give ourselves a little uh, a pep we talk. Do? We yeah. do that? Pete, give yourself your pep talk. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to fucking kill you, Uncle Frank, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, that's Calm a down. weird pep talk. That's wow. how you, like, okay, it's a here, self-affirmation. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give a quick bit of recap because there's a lot of stuff going down in the town of Riverdale. We've got Betty is creating a magazine for teenagers that is answering their questions and writing about the stuff that they want to know about. It is insanely popular with the teens of Riverdale. And as we know, there's literally thousands of them. There are too many teens. Also, Jughead and Jeronica, Jughead and Veronica, Jughead and Veronica are once again on again and Whoa. dating, going steady, going strong. This episode, it's wild. Hands, holding hands. It's guys. It's crazy. Veronica is running the Babylonium, the town uh, movie theater slash musical venue slash, you know how Riverdale goes. It's a lot of things at the same time. Kevin and Clay work there. Also, Archie and Reggie work there sometimes as well. And Jughead, meanwhile, has been dealing with the fact that the adults in the town of Riverdale are trying to shut down the local comic book place, Pep Comics. They don't like the content. They don't like what it's causing. Maybe for nefarious reasons, maybe not. We don't know yet. But it ties into the real world Comics Code Authority. And that's something that he and Mr. Fieldstow, the editor of 
I was about to say Archie Comics, Pep Comics have been trying to work around this whole time, and that comes into play in a big way here. Cheryl and Tony, of course, are going steady. They're dating at the end of the last episode after taking some boudoir photos that Cheryl then turned into pulp-style paintings. They realize that's what we want to do. We want to create maybe a whole book of these or exhibit or something or really literally and figuratively come out in a very big way. Cheryl is very tired of her parents. She's tired of her family. She wants to get away from them. And this is her way of doing it. Also, Archie and Reggie, after dealing with some complicated sexual feelings in the last episode, had a three-way with Twilight Twist, the local hooker. Um, she is a, <laughs> a prostitute. Yeah, a she's prostitute. a dude. Oh, I'm sorry. Not a hooker. A uh, sex worker. There you go. That's, yeah, that's, term. that's the right term. I don't think that's what Julian says, but yeah, that's what I we say. I, I'm team Julian is the horrible thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, stop that. Don't bad. say that. No, not. Wild. But uh, this is terrible. This is a terrible thing that's happening in the round of Riverdale for a variety of reasons. Additionally, another character, another older character that Archie previously back in season one had a relationship with is back in new form. That's Miss Grundy. Now that we're in the 1950s, Miss Grundy is now Mrs. Grundy. She's happily married, but she's also teaching Archie poetry. And over the past couple of episodes, since she's been introduced, they've been very gentle and careful about this because of course, back in the present day, Archie was molested by his teacher here. We finally get back to that storyline that everybody's begging for. Everybody's dying for it. (laughs) But it seems like maybe cooler heads are going to prevail. But Mm -hmm. wow, could I not believe when they went this way? Oh, boy. Fangs and Midge are together and very much in love. Midge has been sent to the sisters of the Quiet Mercy because she is pregnant and you got to hide away those pregnant unmarrieds in a nunnery somewhere. But Fangs, thanks to a plan from Tony, has decided I'm going to become famous in four months. He's going to become a famous rock star in four months. When he does that, it'll be undeniable. He can be with Midge. Um, You know how time works in Riverdale, so it's not quite four months, but Midge, very much more pregnant this episode. He's getting there. Yeah, it's happening fast over there, but so's his fame. Maybe you just got to speak it into existence like Fangs. Yes, and the last thing that I will mention that's kind of important here, actually, we mentioned Uncle Frank. I will say Uncle Frank is living with Archie and Mary Andrews. He's a piece of shit. He is an absolute nightmare of a person, and he doesn't approve of anything Archie is doing, but in a very inconsistent, very weird way that we haven't really Also, real nosy, I gotta say. Very nosy. Frank is really poking around, and I'm not, I I think he is... uh, being erratic, I think he's turning slowly into an action figure, as um, I think we saw a lot of in this episode. I just and, want to say very uh, quickly, because it's bothering me what he looks like, what I think Ryan Robbins, the actor, is doing. And it finally hit me. I don't know if you guys will agree with this. I think he is doing Stephen Root. Like, not Stephen Root, when he's doing the Red Stapler thing, but he's kind of doing the growly, like, looking down, mustache Stephen Root thing. Like, that he kind of does not Barry sometimes a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. That That's what it was. That was bothering me a little bit. I know I'm going to go with like, Ken. I'm going to go with Ken Doll. <laughs> Ken Doll. Uh, sure. I think he's that's just Ken. Too. He's Knuff. The last thing that I'll mention is Tony started a book club in the school called the Black Athena Book Club for the students of color. That's something that's really developed. Clay has sort of the host of the book club, I guess, is the way that it's going. Um, but the student populace there has only grown over time and joined to the book club. So that's all the recap you need to know going in this episode. Lots of other things going on here. There's a big thing that we need to talk about before we even get into this episode. Mm. Pete, I know you're spoiler adverse, so I don't know if you want to turn away and take off your headphones here. But 
before we were taping today, this afternoon, uh, they dropped the synopsis for the very last episode of Riverdale. Why would they do that? Why would you they ruin do that something yeah, before we're going to enjoy no, it? No, they do that every week. Synopses are sent out about a month in advance, I think, something like that, so that they can go over to TV listings. Yeah. Cable it's listings. The cable guides, it's it's yeah. on. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not like the full synopsis of the episode. Okay, all right. Yeah. It's, it's, just a, it's like a teaser. It's, it's a tease, a but there's some big stuff that's mentioned. There is. Yeah, yeah don't, I don't want to know. Okay, I so wanna... take off your headphones. Justin and I will talk about this because okay. I want to read this for everybody here. Uh, that, this is it's happening now, or are you guys? It's happening gonna, now. It's happening now. No, and you'll tell you can tell we're done when I make this face. Whoa! And that's when <laughs> okay. we're done. Yeah. You can come back right. immediately. Pete's headphones are off. If you also don't want spoilers, headphones off. But the synopsis for it: the episode is called "Goodbye Riverdale." It is written. It Tracks. says it's written by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa. I believe it's directed by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa as well, even though it didn't say it in the synopsis. But the synopsis is now leaving Riverdale, back in present day. At longing for her former life in Riverdale, 86-year-old Betty, Lily wow. Reinhardt, turns to a special friend to help her relive her last day of senior year with her friends as they were, their memories restored. Huge <sighs> deal. So many bombs dropped in that synopsis. It's so funny to me, too, because after... Everybody that I saw online was like, oh, the synopsis would be like the final episode of Riverdale. Things happen. Archie does stuff. But no, this is like their memories are restored. Betty is 86 years old. They have their memories back in time in the 1950s. And there's some sort of special friend there. Who's the special friend? I have so many questions. I'm very excited based on the synopsis. How are you feeling, Justin? I also excited. It sounds like they're doing sort of the Titanic style mm-hmm. uh, of an end, which is which is cool. I feel like there are two ways to read that their memories restored. Mm-hmm. Is it that their memories were restored in the past or that their memories are restored in the present when they're old and now that's why they're reliving the past? I think, uh, you know, it's hard to tell what these synopses because yeah, they're a little vaguely They're written. a little vague. There's also, this is nothing against the synopses maker, but sometimes the syntax is weird. There's little mistakes in there or something like that. So you yeah. can't really parse every comma. But we do know in the previous episode – Jughead gets some sort of bomb that is good, and then they need to make some sort of decision that's going to affect everybody. I think it's what we've talked about, whether yeah. to restore their memories or not. Yeah, and I think Angel Tabitha probably comes back in the previous episode and makes them an offer. You can remember everything, you can return to the present, you can stay in the past, something like that. But it seems like, based to be based on this, to be that they are, make the decision to have their memories restored and be in the past. I wonder pure speculation. I wonder if it's going to be something like they decide, let's have our memory restored while we're in high school and then live the rest of our lives. We just want to remember these yeah. moments until now. Um, I think so. Yeah. And I think it, it will be like, we, we talked about this a few episodes back about how it's them trying to make Riverdale that, that better place that they mm-hmm. was corrupted in the original six uh, seasons of the show. And this is their chance to sort of do it right. Uh, but that's cool. Special friend. What are your guesses? I feel like we've got uh, Archie and Veronica on the table. Oh, really? My mind went to other places. One was Angel Tabitha. Uh, she's not mm. listed in the synopsis, but that doesn't mean that she's not in there. The other one is Jughead, I think. Wow, really? I think so. 
I don't know. That's just a suspicion that I have. I could be totally wrong here. And I'm not I mean, even saying I, in a romantic way. I'm just saying, no, like... No, of course, what the special friend is. I think it's... A, I guess it's a real, uh, like, Rorschach test for what we think and believe, because I think it would be... This this current season and these recent episodes would point us to it being Veronica. Mm-hmm. Their friendship is definitely sort of where this show seems to be pointing, whether it's romantic or otherwise. Yeah. Archie makes a lot of sense, given what the show built to, from a ship point of view, up until, like... This Right. season uh jughead real look back in the past but he is the guy that writes he's the narrator mm-hmm. so it would make sense that he would do it um it, Tabitha the, feels like a long shot the the thing that's weird about it is the special friend like i feel like if it was they're already saying 86 year old betty why not say 86 year old veronica 86 year old archie or honestly even 86 year old jughead <laughs> could be writer jughead from the bunker could be angel tabitha or last one i'll throw out to you could be sabrina you know we've had a tease of sabrina oh uh, that's that's the longest of long shots. I Absolutely. Could be zombies. But one other thing. I think it's interesting that Betty is the sort of central character, potentially, the storyteller. <laughs> yeah, by the way, just to mention Pete's for so anybody, yeah, Pete yeah. is so bad. He just wants to talk about the episode. He doesn't understand that we're going to go for the next 50 minutes talking about this. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be 86 year old years old talking about this episode. <laughs> and Pete doesn't understand that. Yeah. Uh, but what I am but saying is... we can agree is, while Pete is off the podcast, Barchi Endgame, right, Justin? I think we could definitely agree on yeah, that. Yeah, that seems where right? the story is definitely heading. Yeah, definitely. I have uh, so much more confidence in this. And the, the beauty of this is Pete does it. He, his fear of spoilers is making it so he won't come back on here. And then it, yeah, here he is now. He's not scared of spoilers. It's crazy. You came out of right when I was talking shit about you <laughs> you do oh pete you're on mute you're, you're muted, muted though that's pete, perfect you're muted. unmute why did you mute uh, are we got because i was talking shit about you guys are we going to talk about this episode or what no i just yes. said you missed it we're gonna do 40 minutes on the synopsis all right. I mean, well, honestly, there's, the synopsis has so much to it, and I, I won't spoil any. We, uh, but, we're talking but about just, this episode. We, we want to talk about this episode. episode. That's right. That's right. It's happened. fine. Let's move on. He's there's freaking plenty out. Of time to talk Pete about the last us before episode. the episode and said he wanted to spend 40 minutes yelling at Uncle Frank. So, Pete, take it away. True. Yeah. That's good content. Well, it was just hard because emotionally we got this, like, really amazing shot of Archie going to work at his desk. And then you look over and then you see Luke Perry in this, uh, uh, you know, war veteran outfit, and it was so touching and then so amazing, and then Uncle Frank ruined all of that um, by just ripping up his poetry and yelling at him. He was also drinking, which made him even scarier. Uh, it was a very unhinged Uncle Frank, which... We've seen unhinged before, but this was a whole yeah. new level. So very. When very, has this very, guy been hinged? When's yeah. he been hinged? Um, well, I, I hear why that. I see that why that's so upsetting to Pete. But I do think, from a, a storytelling point of view, I actually it helps get Archie into sort of the re- rejection of the generation ahead of them, the youth and revolt theme that I think pops up hugely here with Betty and Cheryl, and that we've been talking about for a while on here. Gives him a yeah, direct enemy. Kids versus uh, parents kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. The yeah. classic um, Nickelodeon catchphrase from the late 90s. Sure, sure. Uh, I think is what we're talking about here. Uh, but the the way it was is on Frank's unresolved feelings about Fred's death. And like mm-hmm. Frank just never dealt with his emotions. And I think the whole lesson, their theme of this season so far has been like, hey, you have to deal with the real things in your life or else they will kill you. And Frank here looks like he's 
coming apart at the seams. Well, mm-hmm. well, also what's upsetting is he's not understanding anything that Archie is saying or doing. It's not disrespectful to his dad to kind of talk about those things. It's it's just, uh Well, I do think you have to, and this is not excusing the behavior at all, but I do think you have to understand that we're in the 1950s, a time when men were not encouraged or allowed yeah, for the most part to be in touch with Yeah, but it's also not feelings. the 1950s, as the show has proved many times. So it's like, it's it's hard when they you know, really give you the 50s. You know what I mean? What is it like when you, like, open up a history book, Pete? Are you just mad the whole time? Yeah. (laughs) You're just throwing it around? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very I mean, if you're smart, if you're a real student of history, you'd be mad too, Justin. (laughs) Wow. Flipped it around. I I actually disagree (laughs) completely with that today. As much as I want to spend the rest of our time talking about Uncle Frank, there's uh, several other things we should talk about. First thing. Almost exclusively other things. Yes. Let's talk about Betty's storyline because that's a big one that goes down here. I do want to mention one note. I'm not going to say the spoiler here, uh, but my first note that I wrote down for the episode is, hold on, is Betty the narrator now? Because she's been narrating for the past couple of episodes. I think that synopsis points to, yes, maybe she is. Maybe she's taken over for Jughead. And but maybe the two narrators will get together and live happily ever after. No, what? you can only, Come on. You never have two narrators. Plus, if they got get married, who would narrate in their house? That's no. That's not how it works. Yeah, that's not how it works. The Betty storyline, though, I thought was great. This continues the storyline of Betty exploring her sexuality, her feminine individuality, and I love the fact that it teamed her up with Cheryl and Tony, who for yeah. once get to be just like happy and giggly and having a great time and positive and supportive, both of each other and Betty, the Cheryl Betty stuff over the course of this episode, as they help her take these boudoir photos for her book cover. I thought where it was delightful. There's uh, a little plus bit of, we got to see another painting, a river. These Riverdale paintings, paintings are phenomenal. I will say there's something a little complicated in terms. If you want to get into the real world versus fake world of Riverdale, Pete, the fact that they're teenagers and we're getting these sexy pictures of them, even even though we know that they're actually 20-something-year-olds doing this in real life. Obviously, that's always been part and parcel with the Riverdale, but there was definitely, like, two trades going in my mind while I was running this story, watching this story, where I was like, this is cute, this is adorable, I love that they're doing this, they're clearly having such a good time. These are Now, good, is one photos. of the trains, like, a 1950s train, and one of them is a more modern? Like, how does it work in your head? Mm. Well, there no, there was the train that is focusing on who these people really are in real life and that it is okay for them to be doing this stuff. No, and the what other kind train, of is, train is that they're yeah. 16 years old and taking sexy pictures. I don't like this. Is it a choo choo train or a Hong Kong? Thank train? you. Yeah, or, uh, that's it, a great uh, question. One of them is a choo choo, and one is a Hong Kong, but I can't tell you which one is which. Wow, uh, you just hear the noises, legal in, reasons, in, in the legal reasons. yeah, of course. I know which one's the Hong Kong. Uh, I, I take your point, Alex, but I also think as, as this show is made to the audience is treated as one of the gang. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think we're meant we're watching this as like we're all sexy teens here. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's a, I'm not saying I mean, I agree with that, obviously, but that's the way the show <laughs> treats us, the viewer and treats mm-hmm. the camera and all that. So. I don't know. I don't think it's meant to be what you're. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, this is something I'm upset about, and I don't want to parse too much. It was just a thought that I was having while I was watching this storyline. But ultimately, I think my big takeaway was love the Betty Cheryl relationship here. Love that the whole idea of the season is Betty realizing that she is beautiful. She doesn't need. Yeah. Archie, she doesn't need Jughead, she doesn't need Kevin, she doesn't need any men, she can literally pleasure herself as she finds out here. 
Yeah, and like there was a great quote that Cheryl had there when um, I think she shows off the painting. Um, it's beautiful, silly goose. No, you're beautiful. Yeah, which she I perched was right on great. her shoulder like an adorable yeah. little uh, couple of cousins. Her, yeah, just well, just it's, it was such a nice, cute moment between those two. But to your earlier point about Betty sort of being the narrator, I think Betty's fully become almost the main character here and the like avatar of the show. She's the one who's who's changing and and being a catalyst for change in Riverdale. And even further, I would say the women are getting um, smarter, more in touch with their feelings, making big choices, and the men are being d- turned into getting absolute goobers. <laughs> the, Archie biting the apple during his oh clothes and blowing it. I was like, that's so take, funny. Oh, my God. That, I, I think that's an interesting – There's it has to be intentional. There's no way – Fangs may be the only one who is just on a track, but I, I would argue – Fangs killed it this up. Fangs and Midge are a partnership now, and they're not sort of separately on their own. Well, well, wait. What are you getting at here? You're just saying that, like, the reason the dudes are being such goobers is they still need to figure themselves out? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, so I actually – I don't know why they haven't sort of pointed to why there's a difference. It's just interesting that all of all of the women are going through big emotional changes, seemingly for the better. And the men are like being turned into howling goobers uh, for not the better, I would argue. Like it, we should probably finish up Betty before we go to Archie. But his storyline here is him being like just misreading every situation and, and doing a bad job. Do you want to talk about his arc? Because what happens here is he decides that he really likes sex. And so he goes back to Twilight Twist to with flowers, with flowers. With flowers. Can we talk about her business plan a little bit? Her business plan mm-hmm. for being a sex worker where she doesn't take repeat customers. That to me seems not the way. Well, listen, well, you first off, you shouldn't tell her how to run her business. You know what you're I mean? Because she's right. got to be the one doing it and she can make whatever rules she wants. Um, you know, she also is looking out for Archie to be like, hey, listen, man, she gives him horrible advice, like, go find an older lady. But I think it's one of those things where he, he uh, needs to know the difference between, uh, you know, love and, uh, you know, different stuff. So I, I think it was she was she took the flowers, which I think was a little cold. Uh, but um, well, you're not you going to reuse sentiment. flowers. Let's, is he going to go deliver those to someone else, to Grundy? No, but I think you could say, you know, I'll, there's a nice way to take some flowers. And then there's grab after being like, fuck off, kid, and then grabs the flowers and shuts the door in his face. You know what I mean? There's, you know. Well, she uh, gave about, him some great inspiration. I, I think like two seasons ago, there was a big rumor going around the fandom that there was a scene where Archie was going to go to a flower shop and buy some flowers for Betty. Do you think that's this scene? Like they shot it super early and it was just him yeah. actually getting it for Twilight Twist? Yeah, what, I think they, that's a great conspiracy theory. Uh, uh, absolutely. To, this is just me really poking a bear for literally no reason whatsoever. The nice. well, hold on, I want, another thing yes. about Twyla, like uh, if you're 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 trying to assess her business plan, Alex, but she must be so busy and so successful that she didn't even remember Archie <laughs> when he showed up. So, like, however busy this small town sex worker is, she's like. Who are you? The teen I had sex with days earlier? I have no memory of you. The whole storyline, just to just to round up what happens here. So like in, in terms of misreading signs, Twilight Twist is like, go find another old lady. And Archie immediately says, who's the other old lady I know? 
Ms. Mrs. Grundy, invites her to a poetry reading where he basically does this awful poem about having sex with her that makes everybody uncomfortable because of how obvious it is. She runs wait, wait, out. are you saying are you saying that the woman he was writing that about was Miss Grundy? Are you I, sure about that? I don't know. It was a little unclear, but I'm very good at poetry. The glasses. I guess you must be. Yeah. The glasses. Uh, the and apple. Him staring directly at her the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone he, knowing in the crowd. Tony gave, roasting him as he goes off the stage. Jesus Christ. There were Here, some clues there. So my choo-choo and my honk-honk in my head were going in two different directions with this one. Mm-hmm. One Why? was... Why are we supposed doing to be uncomfortable about this whole storyline. It's supposed to be awkward and horrible. And then the other trade was, well, why are we doing this? Why, why, like, I know I was just poking a bear, but like, why are we poking the bear here in terms of doing this Mrs. Grundy thing again? Why are we doing this with Archie? Why are we putting this position? Like, I understand in essence the idea. I've been in high school. I know people have crushes on teachers. Like, there's the teacher everybody has a crush on or whatever. That's a thing. But this is different because we've dealt with it and discussed it in a different way. So I just like, I had these knots in my stomach the entire time while I was watching the oh, storyline wow. because of what we're dealing with once again here. I don't know. Did you guys feel differently? I definitely felt that way that the tension as it was happening, but I actually liked, it felt like at the end of the episode, I was like, Oh, maybe they were sort of saying like, look, there is a better way of handling this. And uh, Mrs. Grundy did that. She's like, Hey, Flattered, but um, why don't we change gears? You seem to um, have no problem being inspired by romance. Why don't you write about some pain? And and I think that like is an effective uh, like switcheroo that they pulled on us by getting us stressed about Gr- Archie and Grundy and and flipping it and actually using it to hopefully help Archie progress um, at least with his art. It just seemed like it, it crushed any dreams that Archie had of doing poetry ever again because it was, like, so bad. Uh, and they kind of really... Well, let me ask you a question. Should he have those dreams crushed? Is he good Ooh. at poetry? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, oh, wow, dude. I know you develop, but I haven't seen a lot of evidence of him as a good poet yet. Oh, so he, could become a, he could become a poetic lawyer, or a poetic mm-hmm. ad uh, copy. I could see him doing ad copy, maybe. Wow. Yeah, a lot harsh, of great man. poetry. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. I want to let wow, everybody you... develop artistically. But everybody in the show no. keeps me like, there's this spark of inspiration in you, Archie. You could be a real poet. I haven't seen any evidence for that yet. Oh, come on. Well, man. I mean, it is true. Like, here again, we have like Archie, not great at poetry, wants to be a poet, still going to do it. Jughead wants to run comics, can't figure it out. Uh, Veronica running a successful business <laughs> multi- on multiple levels while also having a Hollywood premiere at her business. Betty running the newspaper, her news magazine, effectively to the point where she's getting her author photograph taken <laughs> and painted. Like the difference Tony is Tony starting a black book club in school yes. that's blowing up. They're going to start a successful boudoir business. Absolutely. And Red the Josie just like- getting the best review of anything ever I've ever, ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, these, the Choo Choo of the Hong Kong are going in very different directions. Mm-hmm. Don't don't encourage his stupid two trains thing. Uh, no, he uh, started it. He started two trains. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, whatever. I want to talk about Josie. She was it was so great to have her back. Well, yeah, let's talk about her. This is a very different Josie who is a chanteuse. She is an Mm. actress, but she's looking to really break big in Hollywood. I think the implication is that maybe she's been in a movie, a couple of movies, 
but yes. maybe not as the main role. And she, as we find out later, created this movie all by herself based on a Broadway show she was in. Nobody wanted her in it. Hollywood didn't want it. So she financed the whole thing herself. So she, all the chips are in on this thing. She's not sure about doing a test screening in Riverdale, though she's interested to do it. And Veronica convinces her by taking around the town and showing everything off, but ultimately also convinces her to do the whole Hollywood premiere there. There's a big problem with the premiere, of course, where the film starts to burn. Kevin and Clay manage to fix it. In the meantime, Josie does a performance. And then ultimately they show off the film. And like you said, Justin, it has the best reviews of her career. Veronica finds out blows up her career. She's probably going to win an Oscar. And then also Veronica gets interested in maybe going to Hollywood or going back to Hollywood and really being yeah. a producer in her own right and flexing her muscles. Pete, take it Yeah, on. just you you fast-forwarded through some uh, some real amazing... That's how people. recapping works. Uh, yeah, yeah, you'll figure yeah. it out at some point. We only have a couple of episodes left. <laughs> That's all right. I, I still enjoy uh, busting your balls as much as possible. <laughs> I think the... the, the her... The Josie of it all, just the fact that, like, we got so much of Josie's story and struggle in this episode was so awesome. Like, the fact that she revealed to Veronica all, she kind of laid out all the chips and just said, listen, you know, this is, this means everything to me. I've put all all my eggs in this basket. It's got to work. And then when everything goes bad and Veronica starts being awful and just like firing people and abusing her power, Josie comes in, saves her own self as well as everything else in such a awesome way to be like, listen, I'll perform, you know, um, and just... You know, it blows everybody away. And I was just so impressed with not only the um, the fact that we got to kind of see the starlet side and the kind of powerful side, but also what's behind that was just so nice. And uh, it really we really got to kind of spend some time with Josie. And it was kind of this nice thing of like. Her leaving the show and we, you know, kind of didn't uh, get to kind of, you know, there was just like some great moments with her and the Pussycats and different stuff. But then, you know, like the fact that she got to have this triumphant return as this kind of movie star and then also kind of got this really cool arc with Veronica. I was just I was just really happy with it and also really blown away by it. So it was really well done. I feel like uh, I mean, we we talked to her. Overall, my take on this episode was that it was a little um, odd. The structure was a little odd, and it felt like different things were getting different emphasis than a normal Riverdale episode. And I would chalk it up to the fact that I think this whole Josie Veronica storyline is A Star is Born, mm-hmm. which is on the Babylonian market. Yeah, yeah, more than once. And if they truly track the, the Star is Born arc, I think, for Josie, like the struggle and then sort of the outsized huge win at the end. Um, and that's where I think you get that big dramatic scene sort of in the middle of the episode with Josie and Veronica, right? Like that feels like Riverdale never l- lets a scene like this go on this long. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was sort of the idea of putting this A Star is Born storyline on top of an episode of Riverdale. And honestly, I, I don't know how – it was one of my least favorite things they've done this, this season. Oh, man, come on, dude. You and I, I love Josie – it's not. It's not about. I, Please I think say that. I love Josie. Please specify that it wasn't about Josie. It was just. Nope. Okay, I'm literally doing that as you're shouting at me, All right, uh, good. L- like a man shouting at traffic when he's not even in the car. <laughs> the uh, choo choo Hong Kong. I think it's just laying this 
overall narrative on top of a normal episode of Riverdale made the made the show feel a little unbalanced. And I feel like the thing I've loved most about this season and the series as it's progressed is the way they can balance all these wild storylines and let the emotional emphasis go where it needs to. And it felt a little turnt here. Okay, well, before we get into negative Nancy time, I just want to uh, uh, talk about also the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Veronica was like, yeah, we do something at eight in the morning. And then like Josie was like, in the morning was just such a great moment. I felt very seen, you know, it was just it was a nice kind of thing of like, you know, her being like, you don't have to do things in the morning. We can do things at a normal time and not have to. You know what I mean? So I just, there was a lot of layers to Oh, totally. That was my big takeaway from the storyline as well, is that she got up later in the day. I agree. Yeah. That was the main thing. Sleep in Hive has been losing it over this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I... I I, I don't know. I I agree with you, Justin, (laughs) just in terms of like... I thought Josie was great in this. I think this felt like a different thing in the middle of the episode. But what tracked to me here is what we talked about a little bit on the last episode of the podcast, that the show clearly has been giving these happily ever ending send offs to the supporting characters. And mind you, Josie was not a supporting character for several seasons, but this and the return of the pussycats episode really felt like necessary overcorrections from the show because they never treated Josie the right way in the first couple of seasons. The pussycats didn't quite fit in things where they couldn't figure out how to fit them in things. So here we get Josie becoming the biggest superstar in the entire world possible, getting the best review possible, getting to do several incredible musical numbers. And also this it was a little subtly worked in here, but I felt like being Ashley Murray's correct age, maybe like mm. there was an implication that she was a little bit older. She's this is not without calling anybody's age, but she's like five to six years older than the rest of the cast. And she was pretty public about the fact that it's weird for me to be playing a teenager with all these other people here who are much closer to their teen years. I feel a little uncomfortable about it. And there's that conversation in the black Athena book club where she talks about back in high school. It was like this for me which I was kind of wondering about since she's clearly built up a career. So I think they also aged her up a bit, given the time yeah. jump and all the weird stuff there, which I thought was nice. It let her play more closer yeah. to who she is. The her in the book for... club was just really phenomenal and very cool. I also liked the way that they were able to intertwine Fangs and Josie in this that kind of gave mm-hmm. uh, Fangs a chance to get excited about something. And then we got to get a phone call with Midge to make sure that she's okay. So, you know, maybe not as seamless as other episodes, but I definitely didn't mind because I liked the way it changed the characters that we normally interact with and kind of put them in different uh, in different well, situations. Well, I'm going to call that out in particular because I think – Knowing Tony's plan, hey, fags, you're going to become a musical superstar in four months is one of the most insane things Riverdale has ever suggested, though, of course, that's going to happen on Riverdale. The way they did it in this episode was one of the most seamless, to use your words, things that they've ever done. Like having Josie, a person who we know is musically inclined, come in in a role that's appropriate to her, have her be dubious about Fang, Fangs, have her be blown away, and then actually have him be really helpful in two scenes that make sense over the course of the episode so that he's probably not going to necessarily become a musical superstar, but he can become a working musician, working yeah. with Josie or recommended a, by a Josie. Bongo man. Exactly. It makes total sense to me. And having that whole thing where they're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? You have six minutes here. Josie calming everybody down and saying, listen, I'll just put on a show. It's fine. 
can you put yeah. together a bad them saying Fags is here? I could do it in 60 seconds. Great. It plays yeah. to everybody's skill sets. I was thrilled to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, I love the Josie songs that we got. I yeah. think and she the performance was really cool. I really liked this Josie. Like can I also, saying, can I give some the, historical context that I think you yes, guys will like yes, for yes. the second song in particular? So the song that she performs at the film premiere is supposed to be the title song from the musical movie she's doing called Going Uptown. It's actually not that. It is a song. Wait, I'm going to look up the exact name so I don't get it wrong. It's called Moving Uptown, and it has slightly different words. It's the same music, but they changed some of the words to make it more appropriate for Josie. And it's from a musical called The Wild Party that played on Broadway. It's by John LaCusa and George C. Wolf. Very weirdly, and this is a little bit of a side thing, there are actually two musicals called The Wild Party that came out in the same year, one on Broadway, one on Off-Broadway. So just so you're sure, uh, this is the one by LaCusa and Wolf. And here's the better part about this. This number in the show was performed by Eartha Kitt, who had been away from Broadway for 20 years, came back to do this show very specifically. And the number in the show is all about Eartha Kitt's character, who is an aging Broadway star trying to woo over these producers to like her so that she could become an even bigger star and get back on Broadway. So there's parallels with Eartha Kitt. But there's also parallels with the Josie storyline. But the bigger thing is that Eartha Kitt most famously played Catwoman on the old Batman TV series. Of course, Josie is a pussycat. So you have two black lead icons who are both known for playing cat characters. So there's a very clear parallel going on there. And I thought that was a lovely thing to layer into this episode at the same time. If you go back, there's a performance video that I found, weirdly enough, of Eartha Kitt performing it on the Rosie O'Donnell show around Tony time. You can check it on YouTube. And the way that Ashley Murray is performing it is down to like some of the head and body movements that Eartha Kitt is doing. It's very cool. It's a great tribute. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Uh, It's also kind of sad that Eartha Kitt had to be like uh, convince people that she was talented because now she didn't. The character did. The character character did. did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, there is actually a real world thing of the part she was playing was much bigger, apparently, in the workshop version of the show, and then it was cut down by the time it got to Broadway, which stinks. But this is still a standout number that apparently people really loved a lot. So there you go. A little bit of historical context there. Uh, speaking of historical context, why don't we kick it over to Jughead's storyline, where, as we mentioned, he's dating Veronica. He's looking for inspiration so they could keep doing comics. And when he events, when Veronica mentions her witch costume that she wore back at Halloween, he's like, wait a second, what about Veronica, the teenage witch? And then I assume it was Dan Parrott probably drew this. I believe so. Yeah, it certainly looks looks like like his style of Veronica, the teenage witch. And ultimately, Mr. Fieldstone is like, no, 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 got to be a half witch. Veronica is too sexy a name. Sounds like Veronica Lake. Give it another name. And also, you know, don't make her, don't dress her so sexy, yeah. butter her up. And so ultimately, invents Sabrina make the Teenage Witch. Yeah, invents Sabrina the Teenage Witch in the classic costume. It still gets turned down. Um, the little bit of historical context here, because I looked this up, I was curious, is no, Sabrina the Teenage Witch was not invented first. 
Archie comics and the Archie characters were actually around since the 1940s. And then Sabrina came out, was invented in about the 1960s in one of the Archie comics. She was supposed to be like a little bit of a gag that they threw in there, but was so popular that ultimately she spun out into her own ongoing comic and TV series, et cetera, et cetera. This, this part was Very a cool. little tough, tough for me because it was like, we know where it was going and it just took a little bit. You know what I mean? Cause we we're like, Oh yeah, you're going to, are you going to invent a Veronica, the teenage witch? That's what you're going to do. Wow. No, no, you're not. You are, it's going to be Sabrina. We know, you know what I mean? Like they have to you go through the, for his- the ride. Yeah. I was a little like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You must have loved that scene where they're sitting there all cozied up and they're like, what was that movie with Audrey oh, Hepburn? We <laughs> yeah. watched the other day. <laughs> That, she played the title role. Yeah, the name of the, the movie name? was Sabrina. Oh, what, oh, and Sabrina. she played the role of Sabrina. Yeah. Sabrina. I, did they write that the day of? Like, I don't want to say, uh, insult the writers too much or something yeah, like that. Yeah, what are you doing? That was so janky. There had to be a more fluid way of inventing that stuff. But I don't know. Uh, yeah. Also, the beginning part of the episode, it, it stopped after the first five to ten minutes. But I wrote in my notes, is this Eclipse episode? Because they kept flashing back to things that happened previously in the season. It was very weird. Previously, well, I think there's I, I do think this is sort of like setting up the finale rack of episodes. So I think mm-hmm. it was a little like. Let me just let's just reestablish where everyone is, because we do get sure. um, the, some flash to Mandrews. Uh, we do get a little bit of everyone turn the heads. And of course, Jughead and Veronica being the it couple is a pretty strong starting point for our headed toward the finale. We have three episodes left and Jughead and Veronica are steady and strong. What's happening here? The and Jughead's <laughs> line, though, Wowzer, haven't had that many peepers on me was, I mean, come on. that was. Just... I, I don't I don't totally mind it. I just, I can't believe yeah. we're in a place where Jughead and Veronica. It's not going to stay there. Our endgame. I think we all Stop. agree. I think we all agree. <laughs> yes. Bughead, M- endgame. Yeah. yeah. We've said mm-hmm. that for, that's what you were Bug saying head. all those years is, no, I'm pretty sure now that I hear it, it's Bughead is what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We'll go back and fix it so you're saying Vughead for all of you. How about that? We'll go back and fix it. Yeah, I'll just uh, also add it to Veronica all day, or day, on, particularly on the early episodes. Yeah. That's what I have time for is re-editing our yeah, exactly. several That's hundred I know. episodes of the podcast. Uh, what else in the episode do you guys want to call out? I think we've talked through most of the major storylines at this point. Uh, I loved the um, the cross cutting between uh, Great Balls of Fire, uh, Betty um, learning uh, about masturbation <laughs> from mm-hmm. the, the magazine that uh, Cheryl gave her, and, and Cheryl, Cheryl painting. painting. Yeah. I thought that was really well done, and just mm-hmm. like there's been a lot of great uh, just the, the directing and editing and, and production side things this season. So that continues, even though, like I said, this was uh, not my favorite episode. Uh, we yeah, you talked have to about keep like, working on that. We got it. But I think it's, it's okay. one of those things uh, where Pete, it's okay to have different opinions. Have you listened to yourself always? <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you don't okay, have then to chill. Keep... I'm just, I'm just saying, saying it because I want to make a point. And the point is that last episode was when you guys were like, we're running out of episodes. And I was like, play it cool, guys. Chill out. This is what it's all about. I was like, 
we're running out of episodes. What are we going to do? This is, this is the third. We got three left. And this is what we're doing to the episode. I was panicked in this episode. Uh, yeah. I just think that. Oh no, I forgot what I was going to. I'll, I'll throw out a couple Perfect. of things while you're remembering. I love the exchange of Jughead saying, "I barely have any clothes without an S on them," and then Veronica hands of the suit and says, "Nothing but the best for my flutter bum." Great. See, they got cute names. Cute yeah, names. Cute I love the shout out here. Fangs is going to get hooked up with Alexander Cabot, who we know from Katie Keene, who is Josie's producer here, Ooh. as he was there. Uh, so that was a fun shout out there. And then there was one other thing that I wrote down. Do you remember what you were going to say yet? Pete. Uh, no, but I did want to say when uh, Betty uh, kind of storms out and runs into Cheryl and gets to see the pictures uh, because uh, Archie is talking about how he had sex. Um, it was uh, it was a tough moment to watch because um, you well, know, but he wasn't talking about it. It was Julian once again calling it out. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. But which his he was very face when about. he was like, "Oh no, Betty!" and then she kind of storms mm-hmm. out. I was just like. What sucked was I'm not rooting for this couple, so part of me was like, "Don't, don't go, don't chase after." But I was like, just "Really, inevitable. you're not gonna, not gonna do anything about this, Archie? You're really just gonna let I don't her?" Know. That that seemed realistic to me. The idea of being like, "Betty, I just had sex with a sex worker and Reggie. Okay, it's no big deal. I still love you, or whatever." That's not gonna happen. Like, particularly no, not yeah. for a teenager in high also, school. Also, I really Plus, like he's the go to class and write some poems and stuff. I also really like the uh, it's an honor to meet you in Cheryl and Betty moment where they kind of Love that revealed that, themselves. That was really nice um, yep. to them being honest with each other on the picnic table. Very, it's very touching. Um, oh, creature of the night. I mean, we talked about that. That was just really nice. But another nice moment here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just I'm excited for Fangs. I'm I'm really hoping that Fangs is going to be able to get Midge out of there. Uh, at first, I was like, we got no shot. We need to break Midge out. Mm-hmm. Now I'm really hoping this plan happens because I just I, it's fucked up that we're keeping Midge in that. No, well, it's very place. clear what's happening in terms of the timeline. It hasn't been five, four months yet, so Fangs still has time to become a famous musical artist, but Midge is at least, I would say, 18 months pregnant at this point, something like that, based on the way that she looks. So they got time. She's it's got a classic le- long baby. <laughs> so you got his, uh, it's like a crockpot meal, but for babies. Yeah. Justin, anything else you wrote down that you want to call out? Or oh, no, I don't remember. I just Ooh, want Pete, some mama. I, I just want some mama to take a bite out of that Red Delicious. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, the I, I, as uncomfortable as I was about that storyline, KJ Appa putting that entire apple in his mouth, very funny. Very it good. Was, it was awkwardly hilarious, but also kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, the, Justin was talking about the kind of three things going on at once. For me, I was like, oh, man, this is classic Riverdale where they're doing a big kind of song and you get these kind of action sequences, almost montage type things um, going on uh, felt like a real kind of Riverdale thing to do. So I was very excited for that. All right. Before we wrap up here, then let's talk about. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Stuff. Before we do stuff. MVPs. Yes. I don't have any more uh, things to highlight, but we're, with three episodes left, mm-hmm. where are we at with the ships? What's the take? What's okay. the uh, ship shape? What's the ship shape? Well, obviously, as we already established, Jeronica Endgame. 
No, uh, Shoney, let's talk about the positive source. Thanks. I mean, Shoney is Shoney. going strong. I yeah, feel no like doubt. we're, we're going to have a great Shoney right until the finish kind of thing. Tarchy uh, twist? Are we feeling Tarchy twist? <laughs> yeah. That's the dance craze sweeping the nation next episode, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, like, Shoney, obviously. Like, Shoney is going to be there. Yeah. But at this yeah. point... I don't know about anybody else. I do Kevin think, and, he, yeah, Kevin and Clay, Kevin, Kevin and Clay, Clay, just really, Clay and strong, Clay yeah, and strong, Bang strong. But that's yeah. all I got confidence about. That's it. Yeah, Betty, well, I know that Betty honestly could, given her storyline this season. I don't know what happened with the Barchi thing after Halloween. Like clearly, it feels like there was a seed missing or something got cut out along the way. There was some sort of jump that I just don't understand because now it feels like in the second half of the season, the clear story is Betty being by herself and essentially helping the feminist movement and being a big part of the feminist movement. So I could see Betty being single at the end of the day. That would make a lot of sense to me. I think Veronica maybe being with Jughead or maybe bringing, I could see a world where like Veronica and Jughead are together. They move to Hollywood together after he becomes a successful comic book creator, creating Riverdale from scratch. For Uh, sure. And then they get married and divorced and married and divorced, but they're always in their lives or whatever, like a very like classic writer producer type relationship. I don't know. Mm. Pete, you're raising your hand. Yeah. I want to kind of go back to something you touched upon when you were talking about Betty and, uh, you know, uh, being very independent and strong. Um, you know, what's great for that is fighting crime and then uh, Jughead realizing that he also has a thing for mysteries. And then that kind of brings them uh, together in a uh, magical kind of way. Uh, all he, all he has a on. thing for at this point is comic books and Veronica Lodge. That's yeah. Very uh, weird. I think <laughs> I, it's getting weird. I think that um, we talked about this and we predicted this last episode, I think, that Jughead is definitely going to create. Archie comics. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost a guarantee now. Uh, but I would say my prediction is because I don't know if we're going to get any of that long tail stuff. I feel like we're getting going to get two episodes that continue this storyline and then the flash forward and then flashbacks to sort of give us sort of the epilogue on everything. Yeah, I'm uh, still hoping we get a flash forward episode, some kind of present day. Man, action. if only there was some sort of information about that we talked about for yeah. a while at the beginning of the podcast. But uh, alas, I, I mean, isn't. some people like to go in like a newborn baby floating over a fire, not knowing what's going to happen, just enjoying the ride. Here's that makes what I'd say. This is not, not spoiling <laughs> anything, and I won't mention anything in the synopses, but I do think, because I know you don't want these spoilers, Pete, but I do think we're essentially getting almost a three-part finale here. I do think we're going to see a reemergence of mysteries, a lot of big emotional stuff in the next episode. I think we are going to get... Frank's going to die, hopefully. Frank's going to die of poetry-related injuries. And then we're going to kick that in after we get past the mystery stuff. We're going to get back to, like, the supernatural stuff and then wrapping up where these characters end up. Not even necessarily the relationships end up, but what are their ultimate forms? What are the mission statements that we have leaving both about them and the town of Riverdale, which is almost like another a character, character on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Very cool. Very cool. I felt that one coming. <laughs> but I gotta say, like, the idea of them dusting off the milkman murder next episode, I'm like, you guys let it sit a little. That milk is spoiled. <laughs> that milkman is spoiled a little I bit. Don't I don't know. I 
I'm still feeling very confident about these past couple of episodes. I know I've been weirded about the path the past couple, but I I just have this feeling like we've been ticking up the roller coaster and be like, what's going on? And we just hit the peak with this episode where you got this big episode bringing Josie back and the drop's about to hit and we're about to like hit nonstop rush of emotions and plot I and wildness for these last three episodes here. I agree with you. It's just to me, uh, we've let like the Milkman stuff fall a little far. I think mm-hmm. the the Betty stuff, I feel like she is, you know, on the path to becoming who she is going to be. And then I think she can truly um, become uh, Barchi at the end of that. <laughs> oh. Great. Uh, it is very uh, interesting how the show, we always thought it would end with like, uh, like reporter here, Scott had talked about this for years where he thought the show would end with Archie having a baby, you know, like that's where it yeah. ends is him passing on the next re- generation of Riverdale. That can still happen, but that doesn't seem like what the story is heading towards at all at this point. It's much more about Betty, probably about Jughead a little bit, maybe about Veronica. Archie, like you said, is this big goober right now in terms of the core yeah. four. And Shoni is just like, they're great. They're steady. They're, they're having they're, a good time. But I would also say they're sort of done from mm-hmm. a, a dramatic perspective. They feel like they're happy. They, they're already – and I mean this in a positive way. They're already in the car head driving off into the sunset mm-hmm. to live happily ever after, no, no. So, and, which is to, great. Shows about well, to I think drop that's a, a big bomb thing. on her family. She's going to – it's going to I, I think the big thing that's going to happen here with them in the last couple of episodes is really they're going to wreck shit with the Blossoms, you know? I think we're yeah. going to see Clifford, even more than Penelope, is very much one of the big bads of the season in terms of being the main parent of that troika that's shutting down the comics and everything like that. And I, I think Cheryl is going to make a metaphorical or physical move like she did in the first season with burning down Thornhill. So... We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited. Thing, I've been mixed about excited. some of this stuff, but I'm very excited to see how this happens. Of course. I'm I'm confident and excited. The only I'm, other thing I'm I would nervous. say is I I bet we get Vughead going strong until uh, Tabitha returns. I think she's mm. going to be hesitant to return because she's going to see Jughead being happy with Veronica. Yeah, they might even have a moment where, let's say, but Angel Tavitha gives them their memories back where Jughead and Veronica are holding hands and like, whoops, done with that. And that's yeah. the end of Jughead. This isn't real. What about the mystery of the person who had Jughead's hat? I think we'll find out about that as well. Great. I don't know. It's Riverdale, man. It pulls it out in a clutch. Let's do MVPs real quick here. Justin, who's your MVP uh, for the... Oh, Pete, you want to go first? Go for it. Go for it. Josie. All nice. day. Her day. She was unbelievable in this episode. Her with the class uh, uh, meeting was just so, so touching and warm. Her singing, her, you know, just, uh, it was just a great Josie episode. Really awesome to see her back and to have her crush. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, the Josie's theme music signing off. Um, I got to give it up for Betty. I mean, it's hard not to just love Betty's moves mm-hmm. in every episode this season. And I really like her, her self-discovery here. She is, can finally maybe step back from uh, her se- sex curiosity and obsess- slash obsession and uh, move on to the next thing. So excited for that. Uh, just great stuff. Yeah, just to pivot off of that, I was going to say Chetty, Cheryl, and Betty was my favorite part of this episode. Just the relationship between Madeline Petch and Lily Reinhardt, and when they played that, I thought was great. Um, 
just very into it. Some great scenes. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. Apple, Spotify, not Stitcher, because that's going away at the end of the month. If you are subscribed on Stitcher, please subscribe on absolutely any other platform. We're on all of the major platforms. On Twitter, you can follow us at Riverdale Dark, or excuse me, X. On Instagram, Riverdale After. Facebook, Riverdale After Dark. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. You're dead to me, Frank. Me.